welcome to the City Edge Church podcast. For more information, please visit our website at cityedgechurch.org.au. We hope that you enjoy this message. Thank you so much, church. You can be seated this evening. So good. So good to be here. So good to be in God's house amongst God's people, diving into God's Word together. And as Pastor Paul said, uh, I want to conclude our What's On Your Mind series. And we've, uh, this was basically a poll was sent out via email where the teaching team of City Edge asked you guys, what is it that you would like for us to discuss? What is it that you would like for us to talk about? And, and look, we've had some fantastic topics. We've had uh, things like, how do I deepen my relationship with God? We've had, how do I have a confident prayer life? Uh, we've also had, how do I hear the voice of God? How do I become aware to the ways in which God is wanting to speak to me? And tonight, really, we're going to conclude that with discovering your purpose. But what I found interesting about all these questions is that they all kind of orbit or surround this same idea, which is, how do I become a disciple? How do I become an apprentice of Jesus? And this a really scary idea, but a really exciting one, depending on how you see it, is all of these questions, they don't end <laughs> after this month. They don't end, in fact, this side of heaven. Constantly, we as believers are going to be asking the question, how do I deepen my relationship with God? How do I get a more confident and effective prayer life? How do I hear God more attunely? See, this is, this is what the Christianity is all about. It's constantly. How do I know this? Because I've never met someone with this beautiful, fruitful prayer life that is satisfied with it. You ever met those people who are just, they're in tune with the Spirit. It's, you almost want to call them a fraud. You know what I mean? Like, it's, you're almost like, how? How do you reach that level of, like, in the journey? But one thing they will never say is, I'm satisfied with it. And so, tonight, I want us to look at discovering your purpose in God. Now, this is a big question, no doubt about it, but uh, we could answer this in lots of different ways. We could talk about job. We could talk about vocation. We could talk about spiritual gifts. We could talk about uh, how God has called you to lead and influence your family. Uh, if we're talking about purpose and calling, we could definitely talk about Jeremiah 29:11. I know you're here. Uh, thank you, Pastor Joe. Uh, but this is also a common question. This is a question that we ask all the time. Why am I here? What is my calling? Why has God wired me in this unusual way? What purpose could he possibly have for us? Uh, is this the right track? One particular time I asked this question, what am I doing here, was uh, during the first couple of weeks that Sinead and I were dating. Uh, now, hear me out. Particular story. I haven't actually got the green light to tell this story, but it's more about me, so that's okay. But during this early phase... Uh, I believe that every man during the, a dating relationship, the first couple of weeks you get to know someone, you go through the Superman phase. 
where basically you say, Sinead's laughing already, fantastic. She's learned that that phase does not last forever. But we have this phase where we think we are just indestructible, we're not scared of anything, we can do whatever we like. We have, you know, money is not an option, I don't need sleep, do I have a job? No, but I'm really rich, you know, we can spend so much time together, we're in this Superman mode. Yeah, guys and couples right now, I'm glad this is coming back. And so one of these moments was when Sinead had this really great idea of going out surfing. (laughs) Hear that? That's a green light, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) And so because I'm in Superman mode, I've had never had an interest in surfing. Never. I couldn't give a stuff, I'll be honest. But I'm in Superman mode. Am I scared of trying to balance on a board that's being held up on water? <laughs> no way. <laughs> and so we're out in this choppy, choppy water. It wasn't that choppy, I know. And we're sharing this board, kind of hanging on. It's a bit of a, a Jack and Rose moment on Titanic. And Sinead basically says, hop on the board, which, Superman mode, you know, I get the the ankle strap on, that is such a smooth process, if you're wondering, treading water whilst trying to tie something around your ankle, you don't look like an idiot at all, but the thing was, is that as I'm getting myself ready to lie on this board, I'm so terrified that I will not have the upper body strength to get on this board, I'm just like... The man of steel cannot not get on a board. This is dumb. And so with everything within me, I grab onto the front of that board and pull as hard and fast as I can. And I go straight over the other side. And as water is filling my nose in that horrible burning sensation, my head is going first into water. My thought is, what am I doing here? I'm not Superman. And we ask this all the time, especially in a culture in which we're constantly looking for affirmation, where we're looking for sticking our head up and saying, am I doing the right thing? Am I good? Think about social media. Every time we post something, it's sticking our head up and going, are we all cool with this? Am I accepted? Am I, uh, can I get some affirmation? Uh, This week, I graduated from uni. Uh, Yep. Not only that, but I got a proper job. Thanks, Dad. Um, And so, uh, but... I have to be honest, if, uh, this great time of celebration, but also reflection, in which I just kind of kept, found myself keep asking the question, is this really what God wants me to do? Is this really? You know, when you commit to something for four years, it ain't all easy. In fact, when you commit to something longer than five minutes, you can't, you're asking the question, is this really what I'm meant to be doing? And tonight what I want us to do is basically ask, how does Jesus respond to this question? How does Jesus respond to purpose? Uh, And so if you've got your Bibles, I'd love for you to jump to John 15. Uh, It's going to take me a little while to get there, but we will get there. Uh, I'm I'm believing for it. Uh, 
But we're going to be talking, if you, if you need a bit of a roadmap or a statement or a title for this message, it's this. We receive purpose by knowing God's story and being invited into it. We receive purpose by knowing God's story, but then being invited into it. And when I was thinking about this word purpose, I think it has two components to it. On one hand, it has mission. It's got goals, it's got you know, action, it's building something, we're doing something, we're you know, ticking things off the list, we've got mission going on. But we've also got intimacy. Intimacy with God's presence, intimacy with God's spirit, where we come and worship and pray together, or pray at home. These, I think, are the two components. Now, from my experience, the way that your brain might be wired is you have a tendency to lean to one or the other. You're more goal-orientated, and you're just like, how long is this going to take? What do I need to get this done? How quickly can I get on to the next thing? You know, you're just task-orientated human being. And that's awesome. That's great. But my guesses are you really struggle with that intimacy side of things. Maybe when you come to church or something like this, you kind of hear about people having an encounter with God and wonder, why is that not happening to me? Because you're serving, right? It's like, let's get this done. And then we hear, man, Jesus met you? Jesus spoke to you? What? I just you know, sweep the floor. You know, Jesus didn't speak to me through that. Or maybe you're on the other side, and this is no better than the other, but you've got this leaning to kind of reflection, to intimacy with God. You love worship. You know, you love prayer. You know, if you're on this side, you're probably telling everyone to read the book of Psalms. You're like, man, you need to be like David. You need to have a, a heart after God, you know. And like this dude's over there, heart, dude, keeps my blood going, gets the job done. Let's do this. And, and if you're in this camp, you're probably telling people to read the book of Acts. You're probably like, did you not see what Paul did? Dude, he like got bitten by a snake and was fine. He got on with the job. He wasn't worried about singing a song, you know. And I'll be honest, it's probably obvious, I lean more towards this side. I'll be straight. Neither of them are better, but constantly do I feel Jesus calling me to both. And I think for all of us, whichever side I think you kind of have a tendency towards, purpose is finding that marriage between. So here's how it works in my life. Uh, Because I'm mission-orientated, this affects me in church, uh, my natural tendency in times like worship, in prayer, is to just be thinking about everything else that's going on and is it getting done. Is the pulpit coming up? I've been doing pulpit for years. I know. It's seven steps. It's seven steps. Big steps, but seven. I'm thinking about what song's coming up next. I'm thinking about what light's going on. And yet I feel Jesus calling me to stop, to experience his presence. And I'll be real, it affects my prayer life, straight up. I wish Jesus gave me a checklist to go through and be like, sweet, that's your time for the day, good job, bud. (laughs) Go to your real job now. But he doesn't. He tells me to stop and wait and to experience his presence. And maybe you're on this intimacy side. See, the presence of God will always call you to mission. Honestly? 
It's, Jesus is calling you to, you know, to go change places in your work, to go change places in your home and family, to, to interrupt things actively, to build something. And so what is it? What is the first thing that Jesus gives us? Well, he gives us a story, trying to marry these two uh, kind of two sides, sides of the coin together. And the, the great thing about the story is stories are really, really useful. They have the power to give us hope, but they also have the power to tear down. They're the story we tell ourselves when we just got a promotion. I'm the best guy ever. I'm the best guy this business has ever seen. Or you get like a, a HD at uni, like high distinction, highest level. And you're like, man, I'm the new Einstein. That's me. But on the other side, it has this effect where it's like, if a relationship breaks down, wait, what's wrong with me? What have I done? Let me recollect. And so God's story is about him and not us. And let me tell you why that's really freeing. Because if the whole world's about you and it's about whether you get this job, the world collapses, you know what I mean? It doesn't make sense. If you look for a God's purpose, you've got to ask God. It's received. It's not put upon God and saying, this is my calling, God. Go for it, you know? Sorry, is that too real? Um, And so God's story can come down to four different stages. It's creation, rebellion, redemption, and restoration. Now, quick side note, if you're struggling to read your Bible, these are some really great keys that you can ask and say, when I'm reading my scripture, is this talking about God's creation? Is it talking about man's rebellion? Is it talking about God's redemption, his saving work? Or is it talking about his restoration? But if you want to learn more about that, we've got a fantastic Bible college. And we would invite you to put that year aside. Genuinely, my students know this. I hammer this into them. Um, But one of the biggest parts is creation, where God takes the chaotic form of the world and starts to make it a place where his presence can reside. And then he makes man and asks for man to do the same. He asks for people, for human beings, to make places where his presence can reside. Can I tell you, church, the calling hasn't changed. The purpose for humankind hasn't changed. We are here to go about our day-to-day lives and make places where the presence of God can reside. In your workplace, in your uni, in your school. The call is, isn't, well, how do I get the best grades? The call is, how can I let the presence of God reside here? And what's fantastic is God not only gives us the beginning of a story, but also gives us an end. And you might say, well, James, that means that it doesn't matter what I do. It's complete opposite. It means what you do is going to work out. It means that what you do isn't in vain, but is promised to be fulfilled. It means that whatever happens, if you make places for the presence of God, you win. You're, you're on the winning side here. I love what N.T. Wright says. He says, tell someone to do something and you change their life for a day. But tell someone a story and you change their lifetime. 
Because this story changes our moment to moment, our day to day. When we're on the highs, when we're on the lows. When we just got a new job, sweet. It's a new place for me to bring the presence of God in. Fantastic. When my, if you've got a child and they're having a meltdown in the supermarket, this changes it because it isn't my child's a failure, oh my goodness, what did I do? Instead it's let me not disciple his, their behaviors, but let me call out and bring the presence of God. Let me call them to mission and intimacy with him. That's our goal. And so he calls us into a story, a story in which we know creation, but we also know restoration. So I promised we'd make it to John 15. We have. Uh, I was thinking, I nearly, I nearly started in Genesis 1, but we'll, we'll start at John 15. It says this, if you've got it in your Bibles, uh, paper ones, you get better stuff in heaven, I've heard, but that's just from intimacy. Um, chapter 15, verse 1. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. A final word, nothing. If you look at the Greek, it means nothing. It's really good. First thing I want to, uh, I want to make a couple of obs- observations. Um, this is given to the disciples, the followers of Jesus, just before his death. And so this is kind of a, a quiet of the storm moment in which Jesus is kind of almost getting like his spiritual will together. And he's like, okay, things are going to happen real quick. Within 24 hours, I'm going to be hanging on the cross. These guys are going to freak out. Uh, Peter's going to swear at a little girl, and that's going to be a little bit awkward. But, <laughs> but we forgive, so that's great. Uh, so, so what do I need to tell the disciples before I get out of here, you know? And this is what he tells them. He starts to describe what does it look like for people to be disciples. And the first observation I want to make is, to find purpose, we must be willing to let go of freedom and comfort. Notice the first couple of words, I am the true vine. Ever thought, why does Jesus categorize which vine it is? It's not, I'm the vine, I'm the true vine which means that there are other vines around. There are other places in which we can be connected to. Can I just say, I think sometimes we get caught up and think, before I became a Christian, my life was neutral, and then I became a disciple and started to get influence. But the the truth is, everyone's getting discipled. Everyone's connected to a vine. It's just, which vine? It's just, who are we being discipled by? And Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. Notice who's in control of our lives and the fruitfulness of our lives? The Father is. It says, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, 
while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. See, I've, um, it sounds like God's pretty violent. And I've only, I haven't lost any limbs, thankfully, but I have had a fingertip chopped off. And long story... But I'll be honest, in that moment, I wanted to hit the guy. Like, I'll be real. Uh, But it seems that God is the one that controls what happens to our lives. And I think sometimes we can either go to God and, and be almost resistant of him removing things from our life. Because, you know, we just got sold the freedom gospel. We got sold discipleship by freedom. We grew up with Star Wars and had rebellion. We grew up with Ned Kelly and rebellion. Robin Hood, rebel. Let's just be free, man. That's awesome. And can I say, freedom is great. The Bible talks about it. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. But freedom to do what? But freedom to do what? Freedom to pursue holiness. That is what the gospel is. And therefore, if you want to pursue purpose, you have to let go of freedom. You have to plant yourself somewhere. People use this, this example of freedom to mean that they don't have to be loyal, to mean that they don't have to be connected or planted in a group. They say, oh, but I'm free. I get to do myself. Dude, no wonder we're paralyzed. No wonder we don't know what decisions to make with our lives. We've got too many. And so God is wanting to cut at things in our life, but we must stay connected to the vine. I think as well, sometimes uh, we can think that it's just the consequences of life that knock branches off. You know, we want to produce fruit and it's just like, oh, that happened to me, therefore I can't do that. This happened to me and that can't do that. And, and I was, uh, read this research paper about the development of trees and what that looks like. And basically... <laughs> Thanks, Dale. <laughs> Needed that. <sighs> but basically what it said is if a tree is sheltered completely, receives no wind, it receives sunlight and water, but no wind at all, it, the branches will actually just snap off. The strength comes through the weathering. The strength comes through the wind and the wind. And waves, the wind. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Uh, But it comes through this. And here in verse 1, we can have trust and faith that these things, these moments in our life that were taken away from us, maybe were not just the wind. Well, maybe it was strengthening us, but maybe it was the gardener God. Maybe it was him all along who was wanting to produce more. It says that he prunes with uh, prunes so it may bear more fruit. A second observation as uh, the band comes up, is, thanks, Beth, is that the fruit requires presence. You might be all the way over here and you're just like, boom, I just want to get stuff done. I don't get this, uh, you know, singing stuff. I don't get uh, this kind of encountering God stuff. Or you might be like, but, you know, but worship just, I just want to worship by myself and I just want to do this experience God. I never want to be called out to somewhere, but God doesn't leave that for us. If we look at verses four and five, it says, remain in me 
as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruitfulness uh, fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. See, in order for us to bear fruit, in order for us to have measurements for our purpose, it requires the presence. And the presence is found in both intimacy, but it's also found in mission. And tonight, I wanted you to ask, firstly, where am I? But how am I reaching the other side? Your super mission, how are you reaching intimacy? If you're intimacy, how are you reaching mission? I'll share some of the practices that I've had. I think they're super important. Uh, because I think that sometimes we can aim for God's, we can try and achieve God's goals without, without using God's means. We can try and be like, man, I want to be great. I want to be influential. I want to be a great preacher. I want to be you know, a successful businessman. I want to do all this, these things because I think God's called me to do it, but I won't actually submit to God's means, his mode, his ways in which he wants to do it. And so I think that letting go of freedom, letting go of our comfortability, there are some things we can do. If you are on the mission end of things, like me, something I found really, really useful is when I'm reading the scriptures, is I read them out loud. It's not because I'm an idiot, might be, but it's so that my brain just stays awake and stops thinking about the work day that's ahead. It means me sitting in silence. That's what it looks like. But it also means me coming to church every single week and letting God do a work in me and just sitting. If you're anything like me, you think that serving will get God's attention and his affirmation. But what's really brilliant is Jesus says, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. That's a big distinction. That's someone that's not just a mission, but that's someone who's known. Or maybe you're on this kind of intimacy level. Can I just say, just do something. Pray for your work. See what happens. Pray for you know, this, the, the story that God has given us and invited us into helps me so much at work. So I work in, uh, I'm, I work in journalism and basically I'm, I'm reading a lot of just terrible things. <laughs> I'm seeing sin firsthand uh, a, a lot of the time and, and just trying to process. And often I can be, I've got to process and go, where is God in this? People doing unimaginable things. What, how does God see this? And it's this story, and it's me praying, and it's me processing that just lets me see the gospel at work. Other things you can do is join a team. Serve your local church. Can, can we like, be real? Uh, church, uh, Christianity alone was unheard of for the early church. If you said, I'm a Christian, but I don't go to church bizarre. What? You're a Christian and you don't go to church? 
Why? Because they knew community saves. They knew that God draws close to his people by his people. And so, jump on a team. Come and serve. Come and see what God wants to do in you, but also through you. Can we stand together? I want to worship and pray for some people. If I can have uh, every eye closed, I'm going to close my eyes as well. Because this is between you and God. And we talked this whole month about how do I become a disciple. But unfortunately, we don't always desire to be a disciple. Sometimes we don't. And so if that's you, I'm going to have my eyes closed. But if that's you and you just want God to grow you and shape you and mold you, the first thing we need to do is get rid of comfortability and freedom. And so if that's you, would you raise your hand and say, God, shape me, mold me. Help me put away this lie that I can just be free and comfortable and will have meaning at the end of it all. Lord, come and shape me. Come and bring me into intimacy with you. But God, call me out of mission. Call me out onto the mission field, God. Thank you, Jesus.